die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. What are you doing? Getting a life. Hello everyone and welcome to the One Up Culture Cast, your source of knowledge for leveling up in the world of popular culture. My name's Trent and with me is my co-host Jareth. So, 2016 was a fairly disappointing year. We had a lot of celebrity deaths. Carrie Fisher, David Bowie, Alan Rickman. Uh, and we also had a fairly disappointing Suicide Squad movie if you were a uh, DC fanboy. I'm going with the clean version, are we? Yes, fairly disappointing movie. Uh, so we're going to tell you how we would have made this fairly disappointing movie a lot better. Yeah, basically, um, being a podcaster, you kind of in pop culture, you kind of have to have the arrogance to think that you can do the job of Hollywood executives better, even though they're getting paid for a reason and we're not. Um, so we're going to explain to you the stuff that we think we could have done better, made it a more interesting movie, made it a better movie, and made it one where people weren't like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, so we're going to take two different approaches to this mm. one. We're going to try and fix the existing movie, yep. and try and just change a few of the decisions that were made uh, that we think... Uh, and then Trent over here is going to rewrite the entire damn thing. Yeah, basically when we talked about doing this particular podcast, Jareth took it as, let's try and keep it as the Suicide Squad movie. And, you know, basically imagine the studio executives have come up to him and said, we need to change this, but not too much. Um, whereas I was just like, nah, screw it, we're changing every damn thing about it. Um, yeah, but I think before we get into that, we kind of need to explain what parts of this movie didn't work to better frame why we make these changes. So Yeah, well, I think that one really comes down to me because, as we just said, I'm the one who went through all of these things and changed them. Yeah. So uh, a few of the things that, and I think we're agreed on, on quite a lot of these. Very uh, much so. Enchantress turning into a model. Uh, mm. So <laughs> near the end where she just kind of becomes goes from being grunge Enchantress yeah. to super clean flowing gowns going every I, hips don't lie it was we we got a model and now we're going to show off the fact that we got a model to play enchantress uh, and on that note Cara Delevingne I was okay with her casting yeah, I was were. I yeah shush I was wary of her acting ability though because I mean, she primarily wasn't an actor before mm. this she was a, a model yeah. um, so I mean look wise yeah she she had the look she she got people interested but I was worried early on, uh, especially when I saw early on that there were scenes which were drama. Because, I mean, when you've got special effects, it doesn't matter as much. Mm. People are looking at what's happening and, and the effects and not so much facial expressions and, and way of moving, which is what we're talking about here. But early on in the film, we had scenes of just her being dramatic with Rick Flagg, uh, which they, they worked. Mm. They, they, they didn't overuse that. Mm. Um, like her, her um, acting ability, they didn't try and make her do more than she, she was comfortable I feel mm. um, so I actually didn't have an issue with, with her acting in this did you? Uh, no I mean again like for what she was asked to do yeah she did it fine her role as June Moon was fine uh, the only time I was disappointed with her was when she was Enchantress and not grungy Enchantress that we'd kind of seen in most of the previews but the clean cut yeah that just looked bad and not all of that was on her like any competent director you would think would have said hold up, you look like an idiot, let's change how you're going about this. Yeah, and also in that scene, she had a brother there, mm. um, which I didn't I didn't think he needed to be there at all. No. Uh, they introduced him in instant, like, oh, by the way, this is my brother, he has the same powers, and he's super powerful. 
Yay. Like, why would we care about this guy, really, yeah. who's just appeared? The big thing for me was, and this is kind of awkward when you're looking at a movie, my big issue with it was the story. Um, hmm. And it was a very generic by the book's kind of concept and story. And I think with the kind of characters they had, it could have been so much better. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, definitely, definitely. Yeah. They had a, an ensemble cast here of some really interesting characters, and they had so many places they could have gone, and they didn't. Now, one yeah. of the big issues they did have with this film was the amount of cast that you need to give screen time to. Yeah, it's an ensemble cast, and none of these characters had been established prior... In, in the cinematic universe, none of these characters have been established yet. So you're dealing with like seven, eight characters who are important and need to have their motivations and backstories built up. Trying to fit it into a two-hour movie where you're also dealing with a plot and a story and trying to make it interesting and exciting and action-y. It isn't going to work. You're going to make sacrifices. But I think there were too many sacrifices at the end of the day. Yeah, um, I mean, we've got all of these characters. Uh, some of them need more screen time than others. Mm. This is just apparent. We've got your Harley Quinns, Deadshots, and Joker, yeah. who doesn't require more time, but we will be talking about how much time he did have on screen. Yeah, he, he's a catalyst in both of our concepts yes. here, one way or the other, so you'll, you'll find out about that. Yeah, but we felt that his screen time was kind of in the middle. It was more mm. than a cameo, less than a part, Yeah, uh, which was... Confusing. It doesn't work. Like, yeah, uh, and a lot of that had to do with, which is my other problem, pre-production, yeah. uh, especially with Jared Leto. He shot, I think, like 19 minutes mm. of, of film that was cut, mm. of scenes that were cut from this film. Uh, we did get the extended version. Which doesn't give that much more. Which, yeah, which which isn't what I was expecting. I was expecting yeah. to get all of this. I was really disappointed with the extended cut. It yeah. adds nothing. There was like one bit from that, one or two bits from the extended cut I actually would have kept. Yeah. Um, and one of that was the extended bar scene which they should have kept because that's like the best scene in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, it sets the whole thing up. Mm. It really gives all, all of those characters their insight into where they yeah. are at that point in the movie, which is an important part of the movie because mm. that bar scene, halfway through, this is where they started to, to kind of have some of these conflicts, some of yeah. these issues oh, that are... By the way, spoilers for Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah spoilers. It yeah. came out a while ago. Yeah. Um, you probably shouldn't watch it anyway. I mean, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Watch watch the movie, it was brilliant. Watch it, listen to this and go, yeah, their right. ideas were so much better. Yeah. Um, so we had uh, like backstories that uh, were skipped over mm. uh, and we had backstories that, that probably didn't need to be as, as in-depth as yeah. they were. Um, but as, as we were saying, screen time, having this ensemble cast is something that we will be uh, addressing quite heavily mm-hmm. uh, in that we're not just going to say this guy needed more screen time, this guy needed more screen time, this girl needed more screen time. We're going to say that some of them needed less because yeah. we're going to try and make this the same length movie uh, because that was part of the issue why they had to extend a cut. They had to cut a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were people in this that got too much screen time yeah. or possibly could have had the same effect with less. So yeah, we'll be going over that as well. The, the biggest issue that ultimately happened to Suicide Squad was the pre-production because they were given basically five weeks to write this movie. And if we're being realistic, I don't care how good a writer you are, you're going to come up with an incomplete script after five weeks. Um, it was too much pressure. <laughs> Ironically, we're doing this with like 24 hours notice, but that's beyond the point. Um, 24, but, you said this last night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's that kind of awkward. They had, you know, five weeks to work out what they were doing with this and work within the confines. And even then, like you can tell this, this the final movie had different editors working on it and different concepts because there are backstories that reintroduced twice. There's characters that get brought up and then they get brought up again. And really, I think if they had more time to work on this, it would have been better. Yeah. Um, but we're also just going to present natural things that we think would have worked better. So. Yeah, and uh, and Jared Leto, we need to address mm-hmm. again in the pre-production, as you were saying, he's very annoyed with the... Yeah. Uh, 
what was cut uh, and, and what he was brought on to this project mm. to do. So he was brought on to be a joker, basically. Yeah. Very difficult job after all of the reincarnations we have had. Yeah. He did something different. You're a method actor like Leto. Yeah. You can't just rock up and go, ah, oh, I'm the joker. Yeah, they really should stop getting method actors to do it. Like Heath Ledger nearly lost his mind. Jared Leto nearly lost his mind. Well, Jared Leto probably did lose his mind from what I've heard. Yeah, and the actors next to him probably lost their mind dealing with him. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I'm also going to not just be how we would fix the movie, but some of that pre-production, the way that this was actually advertised mm. uh, at very big part in mine yeah um, so are we going to start with mine so yeah, I, I think because yours are dealing, dealing yeah. yeah yours are dealing with the movie and basically working within the confines of that so I think we'll probably go with yours first you kind of want to just establish I'll shut up and let you sort of no, basically please jump in give your opinions on <laughs> basically these. reel off your ideas here and then we'll sort of discuss and talk about the ins and outs kind yeah. of thing uh, so to understand mine you need to have seen the movie so a lot of what I'm going to be saying is assuming that you do know what happened mm. in the movie um, whereas Trent's rewritten it I've kind of kept along the same lines for a lot of it and just changed a few little things so the uh, the relationship between June Moon and Rick Fox Rick is Flag Rick Flag we, wow we always screwing we've constantly up. been doing this Rick Fox wasn't even a great basketball player he was a good basketball player clutch he was, he was very clutch yeah. and, and anyway we're not, we're not talking about how basketball how many championships did he win shush more than you ever will he and June Moon their relationship was was good it needed we needed more of that I think at the start to establish a motive because we have a ragtag group of villains that are just chucked together why we need a, a good reason I mean we had it it wasn't explained so this was the reason in the actual film uh, Rick, Rick Flagg was going after June Moon because that was his girlfriend he had an attachment to her she got taken over and became Enchantress uh, so within my film that doesn't happen straight away she does find this it kind of starts to bug her much like a horcrux within harry potter so it doesn't take her over straight away it uh yeah, it just starts to kind of eat away at her and she slowly starts to change we kind of see uh rick fox and rick flag and june moon just call him rick oh, i'm just gonna call him rick uh so <laughs> we, we we see their their relationship and she's slowly changing and he's kind of noticing it uh and and eventually she just disappears it's a little grungier. Starts listening to Nirvana. Exactly, you know, uh, and and this is what we've. This is where the play plan. So uh, Amanda Waller is said, look, we need to stop her. She's dangerous, uh, and she's not in control of these powers. You know, they're still. She's still trying to work out the balance between June Moon and Enchantress. Because I mean, you've got this extra thing just jumped into a body. You got to get that balance right. And uh, yeah, so at the moment she's just kind of causing destruction where she goes unwillingly uh, and, and that's why she's left she's left to kind of try and protect Rick and just Rick not Rick, Rick Fox not Rick Flag. he's just Rick now uh, so yeah she, that's why she leaves so she leaves for the good intentions but he he wants to go after her he wants to find her and, uh, and the first bit we get we do we get they send out a bunch of uh, Waller's goons just normal old soldiers we get a nice action sequence where we can kind of display some of her powers in just destruction uh, there's going to be light shows and special effects. This is a blockbuster. We need to chuck some of that in there. Um, they get destroyed. This is why the Suicide Squad needs to be built. We need to uh, create this team that can kind of go after her, that, that actually have some kind of different ability. From there on, things are pretty much the same. You know, Slipknot gets his head blown off to prove that he really is a... Do you give him any more backstory? Absolutely or just... not. Yeah. I don't want to waste time on him because he's being destroyed and as a DC fanboy watching like the trailers and stuff I already knew that was happening mm. we, all, we all were like no one cares about yeah. Slipknot he's there 
for a purpose and I and I actually thought he's there to prove that these bombs are real mm. he's going to go off script he's going to get blown up he was the KG beast from the uh, the Arkham Asylum kind of version yeah, of yeah, Suicide Squad the animated movie definitely yeah. yes that's a really Assault good one Assault on Arkham um, the, and, and I did I liked Boomerang as well uh, and, and those are characters I'm not changing I'm not going to change I liked his comic relief they yeah. didn't overuse the I'm Australian yeah, I mean they used it but they didn't the overuse that. surprise they of that movie, like, in a good way. Like, yeah, I was, was not expecting expect Jai Courtney to do a good job of that. I was wrong. I enjoyed that character, and I enjoyed what they did with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Um, and, and we've also got Diablo, who I also enjoyed his, yeah. his backstory. He is, however, getting less screen time in mm-hmm. mine, um, mainly because we're, we're kind of cutting out the end of his. Yeah. Um, so we're still having the, the pacifist, doesn't want to use his abilities. That storyline was, was good, and... Mm. It didn't take long for us to get invested in Diablo, which is something we need. Yeah. We need that in this film because we've got so many characters and some of them have to get glossed over, um, like Boomerang. And, and that's the thing, like, uh, in, in the Suicide Squad movie, Diablo's character was established and they kind of went over themselves a second time yep. in a way. And there's still a way to tell that story and still get you invested in the character. And they could have done that with just a couple of minutes less, which could have been devoted to other people, which yeah. is what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, which is well, I'm t- taking a little bit of time off of him. Yeah, um, you don't but want not, to hurt his character. Yeah, but yeah. not getting rid of any of that uh, mm. passive passiveness or, or his story as to yeah. why he doesn't want to use these abilities. Um, also him you know, in the bar with the, the spirits, and you should probably stay away from spirits. That's... Yeah. It's it's a good it's it's good we we need those kind of things, um and we've got uh, Deadshot who very important in this film it's Will Smith his main cast you know mm. we've got him Jared Leto who is a name and uh, Margot Robbie as as a Harley Quinn so yeah with Deadshot everyone is in this team because you know hey if you don't we're gonna blow you up but also if you do what we tell you you know you'll get released Deadshot when they all come together tells that you know, he is there because Amanda has threatened his daughter. So what, what I want to do is, is build up uh, Deadshot and a relationship between Deadshot and Rick Flagg here. So Deadshot is uh, doing wrong thing for the right reason. So we've got a group of really anti-heroes here. We need someone that our audience can kind of connect with and be like, oh, right, he's only doing this because of his family. He's only doing this for the, for the right kind of reasons. And, th- and we find that that's why he's there. Go into this and, and Rick Flagg is trying to he's just trying to save June you know, and, and Amanda knows this we've got uh, conflicting here between uh, Amanda Waller and Rick Flagg in what they want so Rick's like I'm, I'm leading this team I'm going to save I'm going to save her and Amanda's like yes but it's dead or alive you know, if, if you can't save her you have to bring her back dead and Amanda kind of knows that he's, he's not going to do this uh, and, and we see and I feel she is the big baddie mm. really in this film she's supposed to be I'm working for the government I'm the good she's conniving she has multiple plans to get her way and she's using people mm. uh, so I, I feel I want to I want to really go and, and put a bit of emphasis on that uh, on, on her intelligence and another character I want to put some intelligent kind of uh, pro onto is uh, uh, Harley Quinn she isn't just insane mm. which is really all we get in the film uh, she used to be a psychiatrist uh, so psychologist sorry my bad there is a difference uh, who worked with uh, the Joker yeah. in, in Arkham and and we I would like this scene from it's Mad Love for those mm-hmm. who are aware of, of the arc it's one if of you not my watch favorites it or read it yep definitely uh, but it is it's the origin story of Harley Quinn and it is actually how she was introduced in the 90s in mm-hmm. the animated series uh, and basically that's all it is she is his psychologist he slowly starts to break her and 
and this is what I say I, I'm not recasting anything I, I just want Margot Robbie and Jared Leto in a room doing those two characters and, and taking it where they want to yeah. where they want to go with that but I feel like that is a very quick scene that establishes the relationship between Harley and Joker and kind of how she got to where she is now yeah. um, but also showing that she's intelligent that, that she is someone to be uh, wary of because not only is she she's an ex-gymnast these things aren't said anything mm. but she's physically she's agile she's quick but mentally she she's a threat here you know she, she's always thinking and when she's kind of getting into other members of the suicide squad's head we do kind of see this and we see this in the actual movie but and, i would and like more to so in the extended it. cut as well like yeah. there is a scene there where she's analyzing each different character which was pretty good yeah um i think it could have been done a little bit better um but it was nice for them to show yes she's intelligent yes she's a psychologist she's trained this is how she would be thinking this is mm. how she'd be acting and, and i think that uh, it, it really makes her more dangerous mm. that she can get in your head and she can make your worst fears, you know, kind of a reality. She can, you can really attack you where it's gonna hurt. Yeah. Uh, so, and we we have that with a lot of uh, a lot of different, more impressive villains and and whatnot. And uh, within this one, as I've said, Enchantress is my my main villain, and she's mentally unstable. So having someone like Harley on the other side who she's a medical professional, she's a mental health professional. Uh, she is going to be able to analyze. You know, what's going on uh, and so I feel like that's going to be a fairly good dynamic later on um, in, in within the movie yeah. uh, skipping forward back to Deadshot we've got uh, so Rick Flagg comes up with a plan within mine to get this amulet away from June Moon who's still kind of out of control so in this everyone's kind of in positions everyone's quiet and Flagg's on the radio and he's counting down it's like 10 9 8 bang everyone's like whoa what, what just happened uh, and, and June Moon's got a hole in the middle of her head Deadshot just shot her in the middle of the head. And everyone's like, whoa, what the hell? Um, because through this whole thing, like I said, we had this dynamic of kind of a yin and yang. <clears throat> Flag and Deadshot are, are very different, but they're always fighting for kind of the control of the group. Flag's been given that leadership role. He's, the team's been brought together and he's the one who has the power to blow everyone's head off if they don't listen to him. But everyone does listen to Deadshot. He's calm, collected, and he, he has the plan and his plan is going to work. You know, he's always a few steps ahead. Um, and another thing that I do want to that wasn't used in the movie um, name on the bullets yeah why are we not that is a staple of Deadshot and it's brilliant so as you know we, we see this we, we get it slow-mo of June Moon written along the side of the bullet um, because I think that's it's great and mm. it's something that we shouldn't be cutting it's comic booky but it's really good and it says a lot about his character through just one quick visual yeah. and also which is I, essential in this kind of movie yeah and, and just being able to have a line like you know, there's a bullet with your name on it mm. is it's my, I like that. I really do. And and this is where we find out that uh, Waller has actually given Deadshot a secondary mission. Where we find out that he has in this for himself, not for his daughter. And that it's not actually all that righteous, his reasons. Uh, and that, yeah, if he kills June, he's out. Yeah. He doesn't have to do 50 missions like the rest of them. He does one mission and he's gone. Uh, and, and we find out that he doesn't really care about about anyone else within the Suicide Squad. Um, and, and this is where we go, like, oh, right, we've been building him up as a good guy, but there is a reason he's in the Suicide Squad. So, I mean, that's why we need to do this because we can't just have a good guy and like, well, why is there a good guy in there, really? Um, and same with Flag. you know, he, he is quite happy to sacrifice the Suicide Squad. He sees them as scum. We got that in the movie and I liked that. So I'm going to keep that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've basically got those things. And Joker has the same amount of screen time, 
slightly different scenes, as I've mm-hmm. already said, with the with the uh, Mad Love. But he's not going to be advertised before this movie. So this was where I had... Sorry, this is where I had a problem. This is where uh, a lot of people had an issue, was that the advertising for this film was very Joker-centric. I don't think the ads needed to be Joker-centric. Mm-hmm. I feel that we, we can make a note that he's going to be in this film and people are going to know that it's Jared Leto. We Unfortunately, with media now, you can't keep that kind of thing of a secret. Yeah. So we're going to know Jared Leto's been cast as Joker, but we haven't really seen him in the trailers. So we get a little bit of interest there because right now that's your selling point. Mm. You've got Joker, a character people know. So yeah, we're not really going to show much of him. And then when he is on screen, it's going to be like, oh, right, Joker, cool. Instead of, oh, we get a bit of Joker. Oh, he's gone now. Um, mm. Which Instead is what of it being, was. I've seen that scene in the trailer. I've seen that scene in the trailer. I've seen that scene in the trailer. Oh, that's literally all there that's is. That's all that he does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, he's on, he's in a helicopter at one point, and that's the only bit that I don't think was in the trailers. No, that... Well, I don't know. We've seen... We did see him in a tuxedo. I do remember that, but I can't... Yeah, no, we did see that in the, as well. Oh, right, yeah. so we didn't get anything new yeah. then. Every scene that Jake was in, we'd already seen something of in yeah. the trailer. Um, and I know I'm cutting... I'm completely cutting out the scene in, in the vat of yep. uh, thing because I get it. That's his, his origin, mm. but it's not Harley's. And... This movie isn't about Joker, it's about Harley. It's yeah. about how she became part of the Suicide Squad mm. because Joker isn't a part of the Suicide yeah. Squad. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have I would have him as m- m- not so much less of a character, the same amount of screen time, but I wouldn't be... I you wouldn't tie be him directly it. into Harley's story rather than kind of going back and forth between them and the yeah. Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and, I, and I feel that would have that would have helped Jared not be so annoyed about the way he was handled on this film. Yeah, potentially that he would have gone in and... Presuming they knew what they were doing, uh, they would have sort of said to him, look, this is going to be what you're doing, rather than perhaps falsely advertising to him what his role was going to be. Yeah. Right. yeah. And um, so we're coming to near the end of mine. Like I said, I haven't really changed much. Just screen time for a few people is a little yeah. different. Um, and Killer Croc is one who's getting a little bit more screen time. Um, but his is um, within the, the fight. So um, June Moon is kind of... She's kind of transformed a bunch of people, you know. So mm-hmm. she's down on the ground. And we've got all of these, uh, like, a transformation, which did happen in, within the yeah. film. And I was okay with that because in mine, she has no control over her abilities. Mm. So the fact that she's she's maybe inadvertently created these monsters and now we actually have a threat for the Suicide Squad that they can take on. So yeah. they're, yeah, they're, they're taking on that. And this is where we see Killer Croc become a Killer Croc. Mm. So we didn't get to see him get unleashed within Suicide Squad. Uh, he's big and gets discriminated because of his, his look and mm. I, I did like that yeah he's he, he was being discriminated because he looked like a monster people treated him like one and he was like fine I'll act like one yeah. um, and, and that's what we're going to get here you're going to get monster on monster violence we're going to get the killer croc going ham I kind of picture this being the Diablo turning into the fire monster kind of scene yep. yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much instead of that mm. I'm going to have killer croc going nuts yeah. um, Diablo still throwing this is he still had his realization like right i i need to do something yeah but you know and and this is where we're gonna get a bit of a buddy film because i actually during this i felt like killer croc and diablo had a bit of this going a bit of a friendship <laughs> yeah. oddly enough uh and and i don't know if it was just me or not but uh yeah i felt and i would have actually liked to see those two kind of team up because for the most part this film is individuals forced together mm. it would be great to see a couple of them actually willingly be working together and you know actually their attack combining their attacks yeah. you know, Killer Croc throwing someone into a tornado or fire 
things things like this. Yeah, I can picture that. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. So these are, these are the kind of things I would like because apart from that, you know, they're, they're being forced to do this. Yeah. Uh, and and it's at this point while this fight's going on that Rick tries to blow off Deadpool's head. Deadpool. Deadshot. I am having the worst day for speaking. Uh, so yeah, he tries to sh- okay, just blow off Deadshot's yeah, blow off uh, Deadshot's head. Yeah. And uh, nothing happens. We don't know why. Blow it off with the bomb, not with the, with the gun. Yeah, not with the gun. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and and we're like, well, what, 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 why not? And that's when you know uh, he turns and he goes like, well, Rick asks him, what are you doing? Deadshot goes, I'm following orders. And Rick's like, I never told you to shoot her. We were capturing her. And Deadshot, goes, I wasn't following your orders. I was following Amanda's. Mm. Uh, and and so and that's who's turned off his, his bomb. Uh, and while I'm on that note, uh, going along the lines of Harley Quinn being intelligent, being a doctor. I mean, not a surgical doctor, but she is a doctor. I have her actually taking her own uh, bomb out. Now this is iffy because within the movie they are integrated within the spine. Within mine, it's a little little easier. You know, it's very difficult to do without damaging yourself, but mm. she has got some medical knowledge. It's something you could pull out. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And then then she is kind of let free to kind of taunt, which in within the movie, she's taunting. She's being insubordinate, and that is just pretty much showing that she doesn't care. Mm. If she doesn't have the bomb, then she knows that she, she can do whatever she wants, and no one knows that she hasn't got it. So it really gives her a bit of freedom, and, and she's not as crazy. She's still being quite collected and and very on everything she's doing is on purpose uh, and and i like that about harley giving her that that extra edge getting near the end of the movie here i swear because i've been speaking for a while june moon wakes up but she's not june moon he has in fact killed june moon now the only thing left is enchantress so a bullet will kill a human but it won't kill her we won't kill enchantress the being that has overtaken her and and this is where the, the big fight really mm. starts because up to this point you know they've beaten her but she isn't really enchantress. She's just out of control. Um, now you've destroyed the only humanity she had left and she's going to go on a tear. Um, so I'm, I'm just going that, to... That's how we get up to that point on yep. mine. I'm going to go over to you now. What do you, what do you reckon? What I like there is because as we've sort of established, you're trying to work within the confines of the story that's been established. Yeah, I just changed a few decisions. Yeah, and, and what that's doing is, A, it makes the antagonist of June Moon slash Enchantress a heck of a lot more interesting because that was kind of the issue. Like, she turns into Enchantress and then she just kind of doesn't have any kind of character to her. But what I like there is you're going to have that struggle between the two versions, almost like a bit of a schizophrenic kind mm. of aspect. And that's why um, she leaves of her own accord. Yeah, and, and I like that that's then it's still uh, connected to Rick Flag, and it makes things a little bit more personal, and he's constantly seeing her humanity in that as well. Um, and with, uh, this is something we've discussed prior, um, but it does help to nerf the Enchantress character enough to make it realistic for these characters to stand a chance against her. Um, and this was one of my issues with the movies. You're dealing with someone like Enchantress. So if you've read the comics, is far more powerful than you see in the movie. But what you see in the movie is still incredibly powerful. And believing that a bunch of people who have a gun and a hammer and a boomerang can realistically stop her, it's not believable. And what they had to do was turn uh, Enchantress into someone who's too cocky for her own good and gives them the opening to take advantage of, which is... To me, it's boring, and it's a cliche... It's lazy writing. It's yeah. like, oh, she made a mistake, that's how we're going to beat her. Yeah. Mm. So it's that awkward thing if you're trying to nerf a character that is rather OP in the movie. Um, and I like that your version does that in a way that makes sense from a narrative perspective, and is more interesting from a narrative perspective. 
I did just realize something. I've forgotten a character. Mm. I completely forgot Katana. Yeah. Who is important in mine. She's one that I'm giving a little bit more of that kind of Diablo screen mm. time to. Um, because her, her origin story was non-existent. Yeah. She appeared and Rick's like, oh, that's Katana, by the way. Yeah. Um, She'll kill you. She'll kill you. And that sword has the soul of her, her partner in yeah. it. And that's then 40 minutes later, like, she's crying while she's getting ready. And that's, that's her character. Like, really? And, and Katana is actually a fairly interesting one. And in actual fact, as far as being able to take out an Enchantress, she's about the only one that can. Yeah. Because that sword like seals souls mm. within it. Yeah. So I'm feeling like that's going to be uh, that's going to be Katana's big moment within this movie mm. where she literally stabs Enchantress, you know, she everyone soul. else is distracting her and and she manages to yeah to steal her soul, put her soul into an inanimate object mm. which is possible. We know yes. this is possible because that's how she starts. Mm. Um but I, I just want to spend a little bit more time explaining that that sword steals souls mm. and there's a reason she's yeah. there. Foreshadow that moment and yeah. the character, yeah. Yeah, because I I think Katana's a great character that was incredibly underused. I, she was the one I was excited about. Not the most, but one of the most, because it is such a good character. It's one that a lot of, I guess, mainstream audiences didn't really know about. And I thought, there's a lot that they can do with this character. And they didn't. And I wasn't expecting her to be a main character, because you've got your de uh, Deadshot, your Harley Quinns, Joker was going to be in it kind of thing. And obviously she was a secondary character. But I was expecting them to give her a bit more time. Yeah, uh, actually, while speaking of expectations, another thing I expected in this movie, and I think we were speaking of, we both expected this, was that there would be a, some big villain that yeah. the Suicide Squad has to go after, and Enchantress would, would turn it halfway was, through. It was obvious in the trailers that Enchantress was going to end up as the main antagonist, yeah. because whenever they showed the group shots, she was not in it. Mm. And it was clear that they were separate, but they were trying to present her as, oh, she's a member of the squad. And every, it wasn't just me, but I feel like I did pick it up a little bit early in maybe most of the mainstream. Yeah. I was like, she's going to be the villain. But I think we both, yeah, we both presumed it was going to be a halfway through the movie twist, not a, oh, no, this is just what you're doing. Yeah, it was it was very sudden within the actual movie, her her transformation, which was, yeah, like I said, I tried to change that. I wanted it to be a lot more gradual. I wanted it to be a, a struggle, an internal struggle that she's slowly, you know, yeah. turning, basically. Okay, so that was uh, basically what we would do if we were presented with the script and tried to keep it within the confines of what's yeah, presented. And we were like, oh, I'd change this bit and this bit. Yeah, you, you, we've spent five weeks on the script. We've got one more week to perfect it, so you can't really change that much. So that's what we, we would have done. And that was mostly your concepts, and I, I really liked that idea. When I was approaching this, I approached it from the, screw it, I'm just rewriting pretty much this whole thing. Yeah, and, and um, on that... I really like the way you've done this. <laughs> <laughs> so just be aware that uh, this couldn't be done within that same confines because I'm doing a few big things. The first thing I'm going to do, uh, which straight away shows you couldn't have done that in just a quick rewrite way, uh, Enchantress, who is the main antagonist in both the main movie and your the Jareth version, I'm getting rid of her. Cutting her completely, she's non-existent in my movie. Um, so Enchantress doesn't exist, June Moon doesn't exist, her brother doesn't exist. Rick Flag's in the movie, but without that, oh, his story was the connection with June Moon. So without that, he plays far more of a sort of a background character. He's guiding the Suicide Squad, but he's just there basically to point them in the right direction. So if, if Enchantress isn't in this movie, who's my main antagonist? Well, my main antagonist is the Joker. Uh, and I get, you know, okay, the Joker, oh, yeah, of course, you're bringing him in. 
my impression is if you're going to use the Joker, he's going to dominate the mainstream perception of what this movie is. Whether he's in it for 10 minutes or whether he's in for an hour and 10 minutes. So why not just ride with that? Instead of trying to have him in that awkward space that the Suicide Squad movie used him in, I'm just going to push him as the main antagonist. Um, so the basic plot, and I'll get into the other main changes, but the basic plot here is that Joker steals some uh, secret government information and Amanda Waller needs to capture that before it gets passed on to a third party. Um, and so she forms this Suicide Squad basically to go after the Joker and capture him, get rid of him, get this information back. Now the information itself is actually incriminating evidence about Amanda Waller. I want to keep the story of Amanda Waller being this kind of conniving, backstabbing person uh, who is just in it for her own uh, gains. And like in the original movie, she has them basically running around the city to rescue an important person. Turns out to be her, everyone groans and go, oh, that would be right. This is the same basic concept, but with the information rather than the character herself. Now what's happening here is the Joker is trying to uh, pass on this information to a third party. Uh, instead of having Joker as kind of that chaotic uh, secondary antagonist, my secondary antagonist in this movie is going to be a sort of mid-level character affiliated with the mob. Now, in my mind, I'm using Batman characters because, of course, I'm using Batman characters. I'm wearing a Batman shirt right now. Uh, the three in mind I, that I had was the ventriloquist, um, who I think's character would work really well within a Suicide Squad story. Uh, Black Mask, who is probably the best overall choice in this respect, uh, and he's the kind of person who would be buying this kind of information. Uh, and the Penguin, who, similar to Black Mask in that respect, but maybe a little bit too A-level character tiering to be a secondary antagonist yeah. in a non-Batman movie. That was definitely my thoughts. I mean, Penguin makes the most sense mm. as far as you know information hoarding, um, but yeah, Roman Sionis, Black Mask, yeah. uh, is also definitely... And you know, he, he would be good on, on the big screen mm. and to visually is just put a really cool mask on him, so I, I do like that, yeah. Yeah, so the story is basically a Suicide Squad are trying to stop the Joker from selling this information onto Black Mask. Now, because it's the Joker, he doesn't really care about logic and guidelines and all that. And what ends up happening is Black Mask and Joker are fighting off as well. And you essentially have this three-way gang war between uh, Roman Sionis, uh, Black Mask, and his thugs, Joker and his thugs, and the Suicide Squad itself. That's the, the, the crux of the story here. Um, now, as far as the characters and what I'd be changing... Deadshot character doesn't really change much. His motivations in the movie were fine. His character was fine. Will Smith did a good job. And instead of shooting uh, sort of mindless drones that the Enchantress had, he's shooting thugs on either side of uh, Black Mask and Joker's crew. So that sort of gives him stuff to shoot at. And his, his ability is to be able to hit anything he shoots at. You need plenty of bodies to sort of put in a body bag in that situation. Harley Quinn, she's not initially a part of the Suicide Squad. And this is where the big sort of change here with her character is obviously at the start uh, her and Joker are together and the Joker they're doing stuff and basically Harley sacrifices herself to let Joker get away when he doesn't try and help her out or save her she gets pissed off and she wants revenge um, so what happens here is Harley Quinn's not initially part of the Suicide Squad but after Killer Croc kills and in my opinion I'm thinking Slipknot uh, but you could chuck any sort of faceless you know, disposable member the Slipknot makes sense because he is a member of the squad yeah. Yeah, he's, he's already been in the actual film he was built to be like oh this is going to be a member of the team God. Yeah. which was another thing as a fanboy uh, of the DC you and I we both watched mm. the trailers realised that was going to happen yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so Killer Croc basically killed Slipknot after an argument there's an extra spot left on this team and Harley Quinn puts her hand up and says I know the Joker I know my Puddin if you want to stop him I can help you out with this 
Um, and they sort of reluctantly go, yeah, you make a point. But Rick Flagg doesn't trust her to be honourable and do the right thing. She, he feels like she might turn. And this is where Katana comes in. Uh, Katana is brought in by Rick Flagg to basically watch over her and make sure that she doesn't do what she, they think she might do. And so this is where Katana gets a bit more story uh, because, in, as we've mentioned, she's basically just there, rocks up, kills a couple of people with a sword, but there's no character to her. I want Harley Quinn and Katana to be playing off as kind of the, the comedy in the straight woman, straight man kind of scenario. We saw that a little bit in the extended cut uh, where Harley Quinn was psychoanalyzing her. And I like that dynamic. And you see this a lot more in my movie. Uh, Harley's trying to break her down, trying to throw her off guard. And Katana's just keeping straight on the mission, making sure nothing's going to change there. It's still Katana's a secondary character, but she gets a bit more to do and a bit more characterization, which yeah, I as think far is as a character to get psychoanalyzed mm. and slowly broken down. I think Katana's a really good one, especially yeah. from Harley Quinn's point of view, like on Lost Love. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good. Yeah, and I, I kind of picture like Harley talking to the souls in the sword. And yeah. You're sort of not sure. Can she actually communicate yeah. with them, or is she just trying to aggravate Katana? The other character I, I did mention was Killer Croc. Again, like in the movie, the, the actual movie, he gets a little bit of characterization. We talked about you, you talked about it, Jareth, where he's like he's you know, misrepresented. He's uh, you know not really a monster, but people think he is, so he, be, he mm. acts that way. Uh, I'm I like that story, but it needs more time to develop properly to give him true characterization. He's very bland in the movie. So what I want to do is just let him be that kind of monster. Um, Slipknot taunted him, Killer Croc kills him, and there'll be a couple of moments in this movie where he goes on a bit of a rampage. It's not the true characterization and depth that I would like to give a character like Croc, but there's just not time in this movie to do it properly. But one thing I do want to play off there is it is shown that, and this is sort of a comic story arc that you see a bit, uh, where Killer Croc is kind of king of the sewers and he's sort of built up a band of homeless people who like him because he's actually running the sewers and giving them a chance to be people despite the fact they've been sort of outcasts and stuff. I do want to try and maybe not build too much, but hint at that and show that side of him a little bit and have him sort of be angry at the joke and be vengeful because the joke has affected that in some way. And so he's got a vendetta against the Joker, which A, gives him purpose on the, the story, uh, but also makes him hard to control because he just wants to get to Joker and rip him apart and not really follow orders and strategy that Deadshot and Rick Flagg are basically preparing. Uh, Boomerang, I keep pretty much the same. He doesn't really need to do anything different to what he was doing in the movie. It works. Uh, same with you on regards to Diablo. Really like the character, really want to work with that. But the payoff at the end won't be the same. Obviously, he's not facing Enchantress's brother. He's not going to turn into that fire sort of skeleton monster. Um, but I like the pacifist angle and the issues that causes with the team. I think that's an interesting sort of concept to build on. Especially when all with. of these guys are forced. Like mm. They're all forced to join this, yeah. this team. So it makes sense that one of them is there but mm. doesn't want to be, doesn't yeah. want to fight. So. And I would still probably have Diablo get killed at some point in the movie. Mm. Um but it's just not going to be through that heroic sacrifice necessary. It could be a way that the Joker to basically become more of a bad guy in this movie to kind of just kill him off with a gun or something. Mm. Um, but that sort of that would be coming down to specifics, and I don't want to go too into detail of every single little thing. Yeah. Um, but one thing I did want to cover, and these are just a couple of moments in my sort of movie, which I think give you an idea of where I'm where I'm picturing this movie happening. At one stage, uh, Harley Quinn has betrayed the Suicide Squad as we presume she would. Uh, got away from Katana, got away from everyone, and she's helping the Joker. 
And at this particular point, Joker and Harley are cornered by the squad, and they're basically doing the it's it's over, game's up, you know, we're taking you in, yeah. Um, and Harley Quinn sort of still wants to help Joker. Joker then grabs her and holds a gun to her head and is basically threatening to shoot her unless basically he can get away. Um, and by this time, hopefully Harley in the story has built up a bit of a rapport with the characters so that they're not just like, yeah, kill her. But they kind of don't want to see her die. And they, and, sorry to go off topic a little bit, but you need to establish this abusive relationship angle so that she's a sympathetic figure. Like, you know she shouldn't be going back to Jake, but she can't help her. Um, and so you kind of build a bit of sympathy through them talking and whatnot. Anyway, Joker's got her at gunpoint, threatening to kill her. Uh, they, he basically is allowed to get away here. Um, and then he pulls, and this is inspired from wrestling. Uh, there's a particular line that a wrestler used, Seth Rollins, and you, you have to steal it for here because it's just too perfect. He has Harley at gunshot, and he's been allowed to get away. And they're like, well, let her go. And he's like, I'm a killer anyways. Uh, and pulls pulls the trigger. The screen goes to blank. You just hear like that bang sound and Joker laughing. It comes back and it reveals, and this is a classic comic Joker situation, that the gun has the bang flag coming out of it. So he doesn't actually shoot her but it's just threatened to and Harley's sort of shaken up she's you know sort of crying a little bit and can't really control herself he gets away she's pissed off because yeah he used her in that way and just kind of made her realize that my pudding you know does not care about me it's all about him later on a little bit later on in the movie Harley traps jo uh, Joker has him at gunpoint threatening to shoot him as well she's still not sure whether she should or shouldn't Joker's kind of egging her on because that's the kind of character that Joker is we saw it in Dark Knight if you shoot him for the sake of anarchy and chaos that's okay for it's him. a win for him yeah um so he's kind of egging her on to see whether she can really do it she closes her eyes she pulls the trigger you hear this bang and it comes back and it's the, the bang flag in her gun again and it's not revealed whether she knows that that's the case or not you know whether maybe joker switched it or whether she didn't know what bullet had it um but she's trembling and she opens her eyes the bang flags there joker's cackling he loves it he's laughing but he's also been shot and he realizes this he's laughing because it's just it's ironic and it's mm. funny and all that but it wasn't harley that actually shot her it was dead shot off you know aiming perfecting his shot kind of thing i just and have a question would you also have dead shot with the names on the bullets yeah if i could i would yeah. um because you're right it's a it's a great part of the it's character for him. and it's as, as i said it's simple storytelling that you can do in an instant you don't need to explain it but you show that one second of the bullet turning it's got the character's name on it especially if it happens once or twice you as the viewer get so much character information about who deadshot is and how he thinks without having to spend two three minutes talking about it every bullet has a purpose yes. he doesn't waste a bullet it's yes. one bullet one kill got your name on it yeah. i'm not hitting anyone else yeah. i'm hitting you like yeah it's show not tell yeah and you're working with a visual medium, use that to your advantage. And that's great storytelling, sort of, as it is. So I would do that. But yeah, Dodge, Deadshot kind of kills him off. It's left ambiguous as whether you, you kind of think, oh, yeah, the Joker might have died. They sort of they've finished the mission kind of thing. There's distrust and stuff, but they technically passed it on. So they get a bit of a reduced sentence. And then, like, the credits roll all of that. It's a superhero movie, though, so you stay because you think, oh, well, this is probably what they do. There's an end credits scene. Harley Quinn's going back to uh, Arkham Asylum with her cell. She goes in there, and then there's the rose uh, in a vase with a little letter with uh, J on it, or Mr. J, referencing Mad Love, as you referenced, uh, the very end of that. And if you stay to the end credits, like, oh, Joker's alive, kind of thing. I'd like to point out, I used the start of Mad Love and I not the ending, the end. and you used the ending, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's 
I mean, obviously, it's a very sort of loose framework for my story. Um, I've gone with a few moments to kind of give you an idea of the feel, but it's a very chaotic movie, not quite in the departed levels of backstabbing and betrayal and trying to work out who's on whose side, uh, but I like that kind of aspect, and I think with these kind of characters, it'd work really well. Um, completely changed the Suicide Squad story, I recognise that, but I think what this does is establish each character better, and the action, there's a lot better potential for action, which was, the action was shocking in this movie, I'm sorry, but it was not filmed well. Um, and I think the characters, A, get more development, uh, and B, it just kind of makes them a little bit more interesting, with the exception of Rick Flagg, who is kind of the sacrificial name in my movie You've kind of cut him out as well, by cutting yeah. out his reason for being, yeah. for being there. Which I, I get rid of the boring, bland character to focus on the supervillains, basically. And I get coming into it, Rick Flagg seemed like he was going to be the, the most boring, mm. who cares about this guy, and then he wasn't. Yeah. And that was because of his June Moon mm. um, relationship, and, and that he actually had a reason. Yeah. Like, whereas a lot of these didn't. A lot of them got, they're just there because they were told to. Mm. So I, yeah, I did like him in the movie, but yeah, if you're cutting her out, he yeah. doesn't need a big part at all. Mm. Um, that wasn't one of the issues I had with yours. I had a, a couple, which is weird, because yeah. I'm the big joker. I'm the guy that has joker on my leg with a bang gun. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I am very, very wary of putting Joker as your main villain in this, because I feel like it takes away from the Suicide Squad. Mm. This is a Suicide Squad movie, wherein I mean, everyone knows Joker's going to be and he's yeah. going to be great, and he's going to get attention... And that's the problem, mm. I feel, that everyone's going to pay more attention to the villain yeah. who's going to get... You're going to say 50% 50 of this film mm. is going to be on the villain, 50% is going to be on the, the good guys. Now, yeah. you'd probably change that up a little because we need more time on the good guys mm. and we don't need as much time on the bad guy, but the basic thing is that. And, yeah. and I feel like the one half of that's going to get more interest because people are going to care. Yeah. Um, um, I will admit, obviously, doing anything with the Joker, we saw it with the Dark Knight advertising, even before Heath Ledger passed away, all the focus was on Joker. Uh, it does kind of take away from the Suicide Squad as a movie, uh, as a group of people, I yeah. should say. Um, but my reasoning for it, basically, is if you were going to use Joker, that happens anyway. It happened with the 10 minutes of cameo that we got in Everyone the advertising. Yeah, so you might as well embrace it and make him the main villain. And by making him the main villain, it emphasises the other characters' stories as well. Harley Quinn suddenly has a lot more meaning because you're not squeezing in her backstory with the Joker. It becomes integral to Killer the plot. Killer Croc has a reason to go after him. I, I did like all yeah. the motivations, and, and this was it. I really like Joker as the bad yeah. guy. Uh, just on the surface, I was, I was very wary of doing that. It's something that I feel you have to... It's a big risk. Yeah. Um, if you don't do that correctly, the whole movie fails yeah. um, definitely but I like the Joker and I, I, I wanted more Jared Leto Joker yeah. to be honest because I did really enjoy what which he is did. funny because I wasn't sold on different. Jared Leto's Joker that much and here I am making him the oh, this is all focus. biased I'm a yeah. massive Joker fan I'm a massive Jared Leto fan mm. so I mean there's a lot of bias on that but yeah, I, I just like that he didn't do anything that anyone else had done yeah. he, he did his own thing mm. which is hard with a character that has been established like this um, it's like getting Batman and putting him in a pink bat suit, which mm. has been done. Yeah. But you're changing a, an established character. Uh, some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to love it. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I think it was a drastic change and I completely understand why it was hated by mm. a lot of people. Um, but I actually respected the fact that it was yeah. changed. 
Um, sorry, what were you about to say? You'd... I was just going to say, like, as Jared Leto's Joker, I wasn't a huge fan mm. of it. Um, and yet here I am making the main focus yeah. of the movie. And part of that, honestly, is because, like, Jared Leto's Joker, I don't think you can really get a good idea of the direction he's going with, with just 10 minutes of screen time. Which was his issue. Yeah, and I think, given the full chance, you will know for sure whether this Joker works or not. And look, if this Joker doesn't work, then my movie fails. I admit that. Um, but it's, it's a risk that I would be willing to take, and I think it makes... Makes the marketing make more sense, uh, first and foremost. And yeah, people are going to be focused on Joker, but you can use that to your advantage with the other characters in the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on, I guess, my pitch um, there? Well, the only other one, which was oddly enough, you and I have the same thought process, but different opinions on mm. this one. And that's the Justice League Dark movie. Yes. Um, and your my inclusion of Enchantress as a very important character who gets more. And then this is part of why why I did this. So for those who don't know, Justice League Dark is uh, it's pretty much Justice League with magic. Mm. Uh, so yeah, all the so, a lot of the magic characters from the DC universe, Constantine, Zatanna, Dead Do- Man, yeah, all those kind of characters are involved with this group. Yeah, um, you gonna say Doctor Fate as well? I was, but he's not always. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was a, just reeling off the ones you think of. Is like, oh, actually he's not that involved. Yeah, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, we were both like, moving forward. We've got three movies, including the Justice, uh, sorry, including Suicide Squad, before that one's coming out. Theory, we don't know when it's coming out, yeah. but it's it's pretty much under we're roundabouting it. Yeah. And uh, so those are Suicide Squad, uh, Justice League, and Wonder Woman. Mm. Not in that order, Wonder Woman, then Justice yeah. League. And and the reason I I included it was because uh, going into that, we don't have a Constantine, we don't have a Dead Man. We don't have a Zatanna. Uh, those are characters we need to put some screen time into like, building them up. You're going to have the same issue with uh, Justice League Dark as you had with Suicide Squad. Yeah, pretty Mass much. Ensembles. Yeah. Uh, not as much, though, because it is less of a cast. Mm. Uh, there is less that you need to explain. Uh, so you can spend more time on each one, yeah. um, which I like. It's more like Justice League. So more like Justice yeah, League. DC are taking huge risks with all these oh, ensembles. Uh, no preps. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and so that's actually why I had her kind of building this. This my movie was really based around Enchantress and mm. her development from June Moon into Enchantress. So at the start of Justice League Dark, you don't have to. You just have Enchantress. She's yeah. she's Enchantress, and um, we end of Suicide Squad. We found out how she's kind of come back to her senses mm. and how these two have intermelded. And that's how in mine. I, I just realised I didn't say this, but that's how they end up. Um, de- defeating her is Harley Quinn gets in her head yeah. because she's a psychologist and yeah we have the whole soul thing with Katana mm. but eventually yeah she comes back she comes within her mind she comes back uh, and uh, this is how they defeat her and that's also how she gets into Justice yeah. League Dark whereas in you cut her out for that reason yeah, right? yeah I, I exclude her and I sort of mentioned when we were talking about your movie in the sense that I feel like Enchantress is too strong a character to have to nerf or basically deal with mortals Oh, I mean, I had to yeah. make her struggling with her thing, not yeah. in control of but the powers. But yours sense Had to nerf story. her, like you said. Yeah, yeah. I pretty much just go, well, I'm not going to nerf her, I'm just not going to use her. Yeah. Uh, I would be... If you've read the New 52, the opening sort of story arc is about five or six issues long of Justice League Dark. I would basically be making the movie centre around that. And ironically, Enchantress is the villain in that story arc too. But in that, she is far more powerful than what we see in Suicide Squad. Like, she's basically altering the concept of the world and stuff, changing things drastically and whatnot, not just sending a bloody sky beam in the sky yeah. for people to have to fight like every other bloody superhero movie. Sick of it. It's, it's almost like having a missed villain. Yeah. <laughs> one one movie's going to combine those two things and I'm just going to walk out, I yeah. swear. I swear you will. It better not be just 
Justice League. Oh, it's Justice League, <laughs> so I get to see it. But yeah, so with Justice League Dark, I'm using that version of Enchantress. And the good thing is, yeah, she's super powerful, she's OP, but you've got magic users, you've got far more powerful people trying to deal with that. Zatanna's power set far exceeds anyone else on the Suicide Squad. Constantine's power set, Deadman's power set, far exceeds anything in Suicide Squad. So it's more believable that these supernatural-powered beings can stand a chance dealing with the Enchantress as opposed to someone with a gun, someone with a boomerang, someone with a bat. They don't have, they should not have a chance. So I'm basically getting rid of the Enchantress and doing that development in the Justice League Dark movie, but doing a more interesting version of Enchantress there. But we don't have time for me to write Justice League Dark either. No. <laughs> um, Future but podcast. We, we very well may, and yeah, we might, re- or even write it before it comes out. What we would do. Yeah. Um, but and then be disappointed. Do you have a question? Question. Are you going with Grunge Enchantress, or are you cleaning her up for? Her? Uh, look, I have to go Nirvana era. Oh, come on. How could it's you not? more interesting. It was ridiculous when she was all clean and yeah. white and I'm pretty. And it, the second I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, that cast a model. That's yeah. right. But it, I, I, we've mentioned it before. Grunge Enchantress looked interesting. She looked much like, better. I wanted to find out more about her. Clean cut, like, hips don't lie version of her. It was boring. I didn't yeah. care. And I didn't care. And that was another problem with that movie. No, why I got rid of her? Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Don't care. Yeah. I just tried to change it, so I yeah, you tried to make her an interesting character. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So look, that is basically our two versions of Suicide Squad in how we would have made this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to come up from different angles, and it's potentially something we'll do with other movies down the track because that's the thing. It's easy to complain about a movie. It's easy to complain about how something is presented, but if you can't put forth a way of improving it then I mean, obviously your opinion means nothing anyways because it's just a, an opinion. But if you can't put forth an idea of, well, I would have done it this way, then what, have you, what are you really complaining about? It's just criticism. It's yeah. not constructive at all. It's mm. not like, this sucked, but you could have done this. Yeah. Um, which is what we tried to do here. We came in, we said a bunch of things we didn't like about it mm. and then went to how we'd fix it. And, <laughs> and look, both of our ideas probably have flaws as well. You might be listening to this going, no, you guys are morons. What are that you thinking? That would work, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's the beauty of this kind of concept. And then we can you can discuss these ideas and come up with ideas and it's making the storytelling process more interesting because you look at movies and go oh they went that way and yep. when a movie is told well and it is interesting and it's written well you can appreciate it that little bit more because you've compared these other movies and sort of worked out oh that's how you tell a story also on hindsight we know what didn't work in Suicide mm, Squad yeah. we a lot of what we've done is like well we think this would work but it, it might not mm. uh, so I mean you got, you got to give some credit to them they yeah. tried things that didn't work but you know we had the hindsight of knowing that it wasn't going to work and they as didn't. we said they had like five weeks to write this thing you can't really blame them that much you, you blame the people putting the pressure on yep. to make this movie in such a short amount of time and then change it when one other movie didn't work out that well that being Dawn of Justice like there was a lot of news that Dawn of Justice came out received mixed opinions Suicide Squad went into chaos to try and make it different and you know whatnot. so yeah it, obviously our ideas are coming out with no, none of this stuff affecting it and the assumption that we can make a good Suicide Squad movie so that all these other movies suddenly look better by comparison because yeah. there's a lot of doubt in the DC Extended Universe because so far the best movie is probably been Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice and the in your of- opinion 
No, well, the only person that thinks that, man. The, the best of those three movies. Oh, best of those three yeah, movies. I'm, oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, sorry. That's what I mean. Like, a lot of people haven't enjoyed any of these mm. movies that have no, come out. Saying, and sorry. Dawn of Justice might be their favourite, but it's still at the bottom of the totem pole. Mm. Um, so, I just misunderstood what you said. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, with that kind of concept, it's like, oh, well, after three bad movies, do we really trust them to do these movies well? We're hoping that Suicide Squad means there's only been two bad movies uh, in a lot of people's eyes. And that, yeah. But our Suicide Squad wins the day for DC. Um, also, another thing uh, that surprised me and disappointed me, uh, the extended cut of this movie. Mm. So, we have actually spoken about how this is a dangerous track for them to go yep. down. Why are you going to bother going to the cinema to watch a movie if you're not going to see the whole movie? I mean, mm. you're going to spend what, 20 bucks to go see three quarters of the final product. Yeah, and then why spend another just wait? 20, 30 bucks yeah. if you're in Australia. Um, <laughs> why wouldn't you just wait until mm. it came out? Yeah. Um, and, and then we had the added disadvantage of it not actually being that different. Mm. Um, like like we said, they had add, they did add a few scenes, and yeah. some of which probably should have made the mm. film. The bar definitely. scene should have been kept in its entirety. I agree And I would 100%. be finding my own bar scene to put in my Suicide Squad movie. Yeah, um, because it, it set up all of the characters, it mm. set up their motives and their relationships between each other. Yeah. See, we'd had a lot of animosity between mm. all of these characters before that, but they hadn't really opened up about why. Yeah. We didn't know why. Um, so that, yeah, it was a, it was a good storytelling tool, and and that scene worked well. And yeah, it was, I, I think humorous. they cut it because it didn't have a song in it. Yeah, that, they, that's they didn't have a pop culture song in it, so it didn't have much value. Yeah, that was the other thing. Um, it I felt like they were just trying to live off Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. They were like, let's let's have a ensemble cast of ragtag anti-hero and chuck an eighty soundtrack over mm. it. I was arguing against does, that. Does that thought sound process. like any other movies? <laughs> I was arguing against that thought process before it came out. Mm. But you're watching, it's like, yeah, you can tell where this has been inspired by Guardians and the thought to make it different. We're going to make it grittier. Mm. And yeah, I, I I don't mind that stuff in it. And my movie would probably use that a little bit as well. Uh, I definitely I, I like the chaoticness of that kind of soundtrack changes and whatnot. Yeah. But it kind of signified from the start because they go through like seven songs in the first five minutes. Mm. And I, I feel like they went through that and it's like, oh, yeah, we kind of need to use some of these songs later, later in the movie yeah. as well. Um, Which would have just... been fine if they'd used those seven as kind of like individual themes. Mm. So like, you know, we meet Harley and there's a song for her and then later on Harley's kicking ass and her yeah. song is back on. Yeah, or you that just hear notes from that thing as well, yeah. which you get in a lot of good movies. Yeah. Um, but I do think going for the grittier approach on this was the right call, uh, especially with like DC, what's worked? Nolan. Yeah. Nolan is the movies, the mm. franchise in DC that has worked and yeah. has probably kept them alive like recent as of I late. I tell you what, if you didn't have the Nolan trilogy in there... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it's gritty. That's that's mm. its thing. And I definitely feel like Marvel, they're trying to go with family-friendly mm. and entertainment and it's going to go well for sales. DC need to stick with this yeah. gritty, realistic... Mm. Like with a lot of their things, it's comic books that could happen. Yeah, we, we don't need Marvel Part 2 with DC. No, um, the two need to be different. Yeah. Uh, and... They were. So, I mean, on that, Suicide Squad did succeed. Yeah, it, the theories sound the execution was horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that brings us to an end for this week. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our pictures. Hopefully maybe you've had some ideas as well. Feel free to share them with us. Uh, it's always interesting to hear what other people have to think on how a movie could have been improved. And if you think that maybe our movies could have made billions of dollars at the box office, uh, let us know by uh, following us on Twitter at OneUpCulture. Follow us on the WordPress page as well. You can find all these podcasts on iTunes as well, which for some reason I don't think I've actually mentioned it yet. No. But you can listen to us on iTunes like a, a lot of people do. 
enjoy. So. Uh, and uh, there is one more thing just before we go, because mm. things are changing up for the next three weeks. Yeah, uh, I'm sick of Jarrah, so I'm getting away for a couple of weeks. Uh, and oddly enough, you're going to be in China, like on the Great Wall, when the Great Wall with Matt Damon comes Yeah, out. yeah. So, so I'm going to be Matt Damon. That would have been a brilliant podcast for us to do. You know, you in China there and me here. and But we're not doing that. In actual fact, we're getting in a special guest. Yes. Hugh. He's going to be coming in for uh, three weeks talking mm-hmm. about the three Lord of the Rings films. What we wanted to do, this will be akin to the Firefly series we did way back when. So it's going to be really in-depth uh, covering each of the movies. And there's also a reason why we're doing it now while I'm away. is because I'm not really a Lord of the Rings guy. I've not actually watched all three movies. I've only watched the first two. So I wouldn't have been much good talking about it in-depth. Um, so we're getting Jarrah and his friend Hugh, who both are right into the series. They know what they're talking about. They're not going to have to be guiding me through it. So it's going to be three weeks of intense Lord of the Ringsing. So if you're a Lord of the Rings guy, be excited. If you're not, come join me in China. <laughs> so it will be uh, Fellowship of the Ring uh, coming out the next week. Yeah. Uh, and when we come back, it's movie. It's March movie madness, basically. Yeah, we Reviews are. every week. We are trying to figure out which movies we're going to review and which ones are going to have to get the cut, unfortunately, because yeah. we can't do them all. <laughs> no, it's just too busy and we're only doing one a week because... <laughs> We're not getting paid for this, so we're not doing more work no. than we have to. But, uh, yeah, well, there is that. But, uh, yeah, if there is a movie that you want us to review in March, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll yeah. put it on there. We we'll, might do that instead of one of the other yeah, ones. Yeah, unless so. you suggest Fifty Shades Dark, in which case, no. But, yeah, so this is for the last time in a couple of weeks. I have been Trent. I have been Jareth and still will be next week. Yeah, and this has been One Up Culture. That is game over. <laughs>